We are live. Thank you so much for subscribing to the brand new Carl Vibe Clone Channel. Everybody who's joining me here uh, that's heard the new update and the news about what's going on. I want to do some housekeeping really quick for those of you that are new here uh, that are joining that might be a little bit confused. So we're going to go ahead and get that out of the way uh, right off the bat. Um, uh, first of all, what happened was <clears throat> I created the original Carl Vibe YouTube channel a long time ago, and it was created under a different account name. And what happened was I used it as an experimental channel. <clears throat> I called it Killing Funny, and I just did a lot, a lot of different fun edits and goof around stuff on it. I didn't take it serious or anything like that. And so uh, what I did was actually uploaded some copyright content on that original channel that made it to where it's impossible for it now for a long, long time and several attempts to try and get it monetized to ever make any kind of income on that channel for the efforts and the time that I put in uh, to working on it and all the shows. <clears throat> so rather than sitting there and trying to grind against that for another year and worry about it, and since most of those subscribers came from a lot of goofing around that I was doing a long time ago, just experimenting on YouTube, not really taking it serious. So um, now that I'm doing all this new content, what I decided to do is just clone the channel, create this one that you're actually on right now. So if you're watching this video, please check uh, down below and subscribe to this channel because it's the new Carl Vibe channel. It's where everything is gonna be happening. It's where all the future interviews are gonna be taking place. All the great content that you've seen before, uh, and interviews that we have going on, plus some live stuff, uh, which brings me to the next topic, which is that I have uh, Phenomicon coming up, which is a big announcement. Uh, Phenomicon is um, coming up soon. I'm going to be going up to Vernal, Utah, and everybody from Skinwalker Ranch is going to be there, the whole cast and crew, the scientists and everybody uh, from the show, Dragon, uh, all those guys, Caleb, all of them, Travis, I think is going to be there. Also, Travis Walton, uh, the uh, abductee, the UFO abductee, he's going to be there uh, telling his story from uh, the fire fire in the sky UFO abductee guy. He's going to be at Phenomicon as well as everybody from the Blind Frog Ranch TV show. If you haven't watched the Blind Frog Ranch show, you should also check that out. It's a little bit more focused on treasure hunting and looking for things like that. But the cool thing about Blind Frog, Blind Frog Ranch is that it's very connected to Skinwalker Ranch. In a really strange way, uh, they're in kind of the same basin area. They're not right next to each other, but close enough that there's a lot of the stra same strange experiences happening. There's cattle mutilations, weird things like that going on. So there's a lot of people in the UFO community that are going to be at Phenomicon, uh, people from Skinwalker Ranch, people from uh, just all sorts of important areas in the disclosure movement and Blind Frog Ranch and other uh, aspects of the paranormal stuff that's going on. Um, they're all going to be at that convention and I'm going to be there too. So that's going to be really cool. And then one other thing that I wanted to get out of the way really quick uh, and announce on this brand new channel is a brand new feature that we have going on as well uh, with Carl Vibe which is a uh, Patreon. And so I want to introduce you guys really quick to this new Patreon feature um, by uh, highlighting it really quick with a short video clip, kind of a sponsor for this show right here. Let's check it out. Welcome to the official Carl Vibe 
Patreon. If you're here, it's because you're interested in supporting or connecting with me personally. And I want to go over the different options that you have, the different tiers in order to do that. If you want to get on-screen shout outs in the end of live shows that I do on Carl Vibe officially, or even get meditation, coaching and mentoring, or personal friendship, just one-on-one with me, that's also available depending on uh, what you're interested in on the tiers. So let's take a look at that. So the different options here you have is the official soul supporter for $5 a month is just to show your support and earn good karma by uplifting the show and helping me focus on creating good content and so that we can continue to move forward and grow the Carl Vibe community and help with disclosure and spiritual growth for uh, the collective consciousness of mankind. If you become an official uh, supporter for $20 a month through Patreon, then at the end of every Carl Vibe live show, I will shout you out either with a verbal uh, shout out or an on-screen shout out with credit for being an official Instant Karma uh, supporter of the Carl Vibe show and podcast. For $100 a month, you get the Making Contact Inner Circle feature, which means once a month, you will get to participate in a private group chat with just me and the other people who are part of that inner circle to discuss anything that you guys want to uh, live on the phone call or video, whatever works out great. And you guys for $100 a month, get private access to be able to hang out with me in a live group conversation. So we can talk about whatever you want. And then for $500 a month is the private meditation coaching uh, with me where you get to have private one-on-one friendship conversations and discussions with me on a video chat, having a private meditation coaching and advice and my opinions. Or if you're an experiencer and have had paranormal experiences or UFO encounters or an abduction experience, anything like that that you're struggling with or that you would like to bounce some ideas off of, anything that you, you've got going on in your life. Or if you want some uh, mindfulness coaching, meditation counseling, uh, I'm here to do that with you one-on-one uh, for this private meditation coaching option that's available to you. So thank you so much for being here on Patreon. And I hope to see you around soon, uh, picking out one of these tiers. And uh, we'll see you guys soon. All right, so there's kind of the rundown of the new Patreon feature and the different options there. And if there's something interested or if the prices aren't quite in your range or if you want some kind of a $1 feature or something like that, that would be really cool. We can do that. So let's go ahead now that we've got kind of the shopkeeping out of the way and just jump into the main meat of the show. Uh, So if you didn't see the last episode where I talked about my personal paranormal encounters, I discussed some of the recurring dreams that I had when I was a child um, and some of the things that I experienced in my life as far as like repeated dreams that occurred over and over and over again, where I was sort of stepping through into a strange alternate type uh, dreamscape or dream dimension that was really odd to me. Um, And then uh, other experiences where I, I was encountering a strange like hag creature or entity that would appear in my bedroom that looked like an old, like a homeless lady, like in rags or like a witch sort of lady that would uh, hover outside my window or appear as a reflection in the window. Uh, I went into a lot of detail about that in episode one, uh, as well as uh, talking about some of the missing time experiences and encounters that I had 
growing up where I would fall asleep in my room and then wake up somewhere else. Uh, some of the strange experiences that I had with that, as well as uh, a shared dream experience with one of my friends that I had at the time where I slept over at his house. And we had a really phenomenal encounter where some sort of a dimensional thing opened up in his home. And, you know, if you want to hear that one, make sure and go check out part one of this whole series where I'm going to be talking about all of the strange, phenomenal, paranormal, uh, mystical and spiritual experiences of my life to try and make other people feel like they have a safe space to not feel crazy talking about these sorts of things in their life and also give you guys an opportunity through the Patreon, like we talked about earlier, to reach out and have somebody and a community that you can build upon uh, to discuss these things with, because there's actually a lot of people out there that are going through similar things. <clears throat> so that's what we talked about in part one. I've also done a lot of really cool interviews with a lot of really great guests and stuff. Um, but this is sort of like my chance now to sort of jump into it without any sort of time limit or restrictions and sort of use this as an opportunity like a journal to tell everyone um, my personal stories and experiences. So if you're into that sort of thing or if you're a long haul driver or if you like podcast shows or late night shows, uh, you're going to love this because we're going to talk about a really strange psychic experience that I had uh, when I was a lot younger that really I have never been able to explain. And when I was younger, uh, tied into a lot of what I considered a foundational spiritual experience in my life that has uh, shaped me <clears throat> into who I am today. So in order to get to that um, amazing psychic experience, I have to give everybody a little bit of background uh, about that. Uh, one of the first experiences that I had where I sort of encountered reality under different circumstances than just being physical and solid and straightforward like you would expect uh, was when I had a fever when I was actually a junior in high school. So not a junior, I was a freshman in high school. So what happened was I was trying to play football. It was the beginning of the season. I wasn't doing that great and I was kind of out of shape and I, we were doing two a days. So you were where you're working out in the morning and then working out after school again. And I was not taking care of myself really well. So I was really dehydrated and I got tackled to the ground and kind of hurt a few times and hurt in my lower back. I got hit in the lower back. And what resulted in that was I got a really bad kidney infection. And I had to go to the doctor, get medication <clears throat> and a bunch of stuff. But what resulted was I had a really high fever. I had a temperature of over a uh, 104 that crept up and stayed there for way too long, longer than it should have. And there was this time where I was laying on the couch down in the living room and I was looking up at the ceiling and I was awake and I was lucid, uh, but I had a, that really high fever that I just couldn't shake. And with that high fever, I started to see reality differently. I guess you could say that I started hallucinating in a feverish state from this kidney infection that I had. And it was really bad. I was very, very sick. I had to go to the hospital. I had to get put on IVs. I had to do a bunch of awful stuff like that uh, as a freshman to try and get healthy again. Um, 
And I was also doing martial arts training at the time and just really physically active. And uh, I was in good shape, but I, I, I wasn't taking care of myself as far as my diet and hydration and stuff went. So I got really sick. But what happened was I was laying there on the couch. My fever was under over 104. I was just not feeling good laying under a blanket. And I looked up at the ceiling. And what I saw was the only way I could describe it was like, you know, when you blow bubbles in milk, when you took a straw and you blow bubbles in like just cold milk and how it frosts up, froths up like a, a bunch of bubbles, the entire ceiling in the living room started to do that. It was like boiling. The entire ceiling of the living room was boiling, uh, just like somebody was boiling uh, milk in a kettle or something. Uh, and I was just staring at this. I was so hypnotized. And what stuck with me is I, I knew that I had a fever, but I could not tell the difference between whether or not uh, seeing that appearance of that was happening within me as a, the, as a hallucination or was it happening actually on the ceiling and I was just perceiving reality differently. And that was very strange. Uh, and I kind of had this sort of what they call Alice in Wonderland syndrome. It was Alice in Wonderland syndrome is actually a real syndrome. It's a real thing where your perceptions of reality can suddenly skew and the dimensions of shapes and, and sizes of things around you can suddenly distort and warp and twist out of place. Um, and so like if you're looking down a tunnel or a hallway and something like a geometric shape, uh, then suddenly your mind kind of loses its grip on that because it's too symmetrical or too organic or too massive. And what happens is it sort of unravels. And so the tunnel will feel like it's suddenly going whoa and curving upward or expanding like you're going to fall down inside of it. And you can feel really tiny or somebody will walk by and suddenly seem really large and out of place. And that's sort of what the room was doing when I had this really high fever it was like I was looking up at the ceiling and looking out across the room and it was like everything was sort of like totally twisted and warped, like uh, some sort of like a claymation form. Like it was all just distorted and skewed out of place. So the couch that would normally be like the shape of a couch looked like it was made for like the circus or something. Like it was all large on one end and small on the other and everything felt like it was stretched and pushed out of it into a strange shape. And then I, the only way I could try to deal with this to get my temperature and these fevers uh, appearances to go away in the living room was to try and just fall back asleep. And then it got even weirder because what happened was uh, like when I was younger and I'd have these weird out of body experiences, I had this really crazy dream. One of the craziest, <laughs> uh, scariest dreams I've ever had. And that was uh, after I saw the ceiling bubbling like milk and everything skewed, I started to fall asleep, but I didn't fall completely asleep. I was like halfway in between. So I slipped between being awake and being asleep so I could see like I was still in the living room. I could see the couch. I could see the chair, the coffee table next to me, uh, the lamp, the ceiling, the walls, the front door, everything. It was like I was there. But it was like a, it was overlapped with a dream. A lot of people would relate this a lot to like a sleep paralysis experience, except for I was lifting my head and looking around and it was terrifying. And what happened was 
around the kitchen, the, the corner from where the kitchen was, uh, came uh, this giant clown. It was like out of the movie It. There was just this lot, giant crazy clown figure. It had like a big red, like curly hair, like a big red wig on. It had a big red nose. But what was crazy was its features were not like a costume. It's like its nose and these giant ears and this big nose. And it's really like grotesque clown features, this big, like, <laughs> the way it laughed was like a, like a, like it, like a honking horn. It was like, ha, 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 like all crazy. And it came out running around the corner. And as it got close to me, it skewed like really large and giant size. And it was leaning over top of me. And then as it would get really close to me, it would smile really big and lean in close. And like, it was looking at me and then it would pull out from behind its back. And it was like, it had this, like a cartoon, like stick of dynamite, like this big red stick of dynamite with a fuse and it would just hold it out. And as soon as I would look at it, it would explode. And it was like the explosion was happening inside my brain. So it was like, I don't know if it was because my fever was so high, like my brain cells were dying and I was having this crazy vision or whatever. But it was like these bombs were going off. It was like, boom, and it would startle me. And then I would, when I would try to get away from this giant clown, it was like it would grab my legs. And it felt like it was grabbing my legs right on the couch where I was laying there. And it would pull. And so it felt like when I would lay there, when I would try to struggle to get away, it felt like pulling and I like I was being stretched on the couch. Uh, like my body was actually being pulled and stretched out like taffy, like, like a rubber band. So when I'd struggle harder, it felt like I was being stretched out even worse. And so I had to try and relax to just try and chill out. So um, <laughs> it didn't make it worse because I felt like if I struggled and pulled away and freaked out even worse, that this crazy uh, nightmarish entity would stretch me out even farther. And so that was kind of, uh, I ended up like sort of coming out of that and getting over the sickness, taking medication and that sort of crazy nightmarish hallucinatory realm that I experienced. Uh, that was the end of that. Um, and then uh, to give you a little background about the rest of this phenomenal experience that I had is a total ex a psychic encounter that is very factual base that was provable and testable because there was somebody there that shared the experience. But to bring you up to speed, I have to tell you a little bit of background about myself because I grew up a member of the Mormon church. Uh, they like you to call them the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, everybody calls it as a nickname, uh, Mormons or Mormonism. Um, I was a member of the church all growing up and throughout my entire life. Uh, and I actually served a two-year mission for the church, which is very common. And you don't get to pick where you go. Uh, you don't get to do uh, a, a pick even who you live with or where you live or how long or any of that. It's all just kind of assigned to you. So I was actually assigned to go live in Arkansas for two years in the United States. And so I got there. This is when I was uh, graduated high school. So when I was 19, uh, graduated high school and went on my mission to Arkansas. And I get there and 
first of all, I have a lot of really cool experiences, a lot of different experiences, but you have to keep in mind as a member of the church and as a Mormon that everything was completely compressed and packaged through the lens of that religion and through the church. So every type of spiritual experience that I had or intuitive experience that I had, any psychic phenomenon that occurred, I related that back through the church. So I would say, well, that was the Holy Ghost or that was Jesus or that was uh, one of my ancestors that was there telling me to do that uh, or inspiring me or an angel or something like that. Or maybe it was a trickster entity like like uh, Satan or his minions trying to trick me and deceive me, some kind of temptation or something like that. So uh, my whole experience was clouded through that sort of funnel, that preset conditioned experience to or idea to see everything through the lens of Mormonism. So I failed to really understand a lot of the phenomenal experiences that and things that happened to me because of that. Um, they were all bundled up under one umbrella, which was interpreted through the church. So uh, let me explain the experience as it occurred, and then we can kind of unravel it from there, and I want to talk about it, because what occurred I cannot to this day explain, and how it happened I can't explain it, uh, but it absolutely did happen. And so it involved praying, and it involved prayer. So I don't know if you are uh religious or you believe in prayer but even if you're just psychic or telepathic in some way uh there's no way to know and how would you ever even know the difference uh between the two so we're going to talk about that what happened was i was out about a year i've been serving as a missionary for about that long um and the problem was, was we weren't having a lot of success. At this time, I was in Jacksonville, Arkansas, which is a pretty big city, a pretty big town. And Jacksonville is in Arkansas. It's in the Bible Belt. It's in the South. And so the, a lot of people are not very open-minded to different belief systems and different religions. They're not very open uh, <laughs> to changing up the way that they've been raised and the religion that they were brought up in. They like to stick to things the way that they were taught uh, and their belief systems. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I was the same way, which is why I was there as a missionary to begin with, right? Uh, I'm no longer a Mormon right now, just so you know. But I, I definitely was at the time. It was real to me. I believed it absolutely fully. Uh, and I was really trying to help other people and trying to teach other people like their souls depended on it, that they joined the church, right? So when we didn't have anything to do, there was a couple of problems with that. The first problem is, is that you had to report everything that you did back to headquarters. So if you talked to anybody on the street about the church, you had to keep track. How many people you talked to? Did you talk to them about the, the books that belonged to the church? Did you talk to them about being baptized? How many lessons did you teach them? Did you get an appointment to go over there and teach them again? All of that stuff, you had to actually get a phone call and turn those numbers in, and they tracked all that data to see your progress as a missionary and your success, to see how well you're doing as a missionary and as the two missionaries living together and working in the area together. If there's a problem there, then they would split you up and try to pair you up uh, better in a different area and all that stuff, right? So you're having to work together. I'm having to work together with this guy uh, that I don't really know. I've never really met him before, but I'm just kind of paired up with him in this apartment in uh, Jacksonville, Arkansas. And 
we run out of work. We don't have any appointments. And the only other option is to go around and just knock on people's doors randomly. They call that tracting. You go knock on door to door to door and try to see if you can get anybody to open the door and let you in to talk about the church. And I was so tired of this, right? So keep in mind, I was like, I've been out there like a year and I haven't had really any success. Nobody's been wanting to really talk to us about uh the church or join the church or anything, taught a lot of lessons and interacted with a lot of people and done a lot of service, but not a whole lot of success is coming our way naturally. So um, I get this crazy idea that this one morning, instead of going out and trying to go door to door to door and just assertively canvas the neighborhood of which we'd done a thousand times, even though Jacksonville was huge, we'd been all over the place knocking on all the doors, trying to catch people home to talk to them. We were even walking around Walmart and different grocery stores, Piggly Wiggly, if you've ever heard of them. Uh, we'd go walk around and try to challenge each other as missionaries to walk up to people and just cold talk to them and just be like, <laughs> just craziness. Like, Hey, uh, where do you go? You know, we'd be in Walmart about around the fishing tackle and somebody would be standing there looking at fishing bait or fishing lures. And it would be nothing for me at, at that point to go up to him and be like, hey, where is there to go fishing around here? And they'd say, oh, we go fishing down at the creek bed down there for catfish. But if you're going to go catfishing, you got to use this kind of bait. And I'd be like, oh, that's so interesting. I haven't ever been fishing down here. I'm actually not from around here because I'm back from Idaho because I'm a missionary for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Have you ever heard about our church before? And that was exactly how I would do my introduction and talk to people like all smooth like that, try to talk about the church. Um, but I was so burnt out and so sick of that. And uh, so I decided, you know, if this is true, then we should be able to put God to the test. We should be able to pray and really see if something happens. We should get some kind of a miracle. And if there's somebody out there that needs our help or wants to hear what we have to teach, then God will just tell us or show us. And there has to be some way to do that. And I don't know why I thought of this or what came over me and what the idea was. And maybe I heard somebody else try tried it uh, in the mission before, like as a rumor or something. But I got this wild idea that I would test it. It's really kind of a, almost like a remote viewing method looking back on it, almost like a psychic uh, clairvoyant experience. It was a really crazy one that I cannot explain to this day ended up occurring because of it. So here's what happened. Um, me and my other, the other missionary that was living with me, that was working in the area, uh, I'll just call him my mission companion, the other missionary, uh, he's there with me. And I said, elder, because we I was uh, elder and he was the elder. <laughs> That's the title that we were given as missionaries. Uh, I'm really sick of this. Why don't we let God or the Lord tell us where we're going to go and wh who needs our help today? And then that's who we'll go teach. And so what we did was we got a map of the area and we put it out on this little kitchen table that we had. And we would eat breakfast on. And... We laid the map out and it had the area boundaries actually drawn out on the map. So we knew right where we could go. Every single street name that was in that boundary uh, was marked on this map. It was all highlighted with like a red marker, a laminate marker, uh, where our area was and, and where we should stay. 
where we'd been assigned. And so what we'd do is I, I or what I did was I put the map out on the kitchen table and I said, here, you, what you're going to do is you stand here at the map and you go first and you'll stand here and you look at our area and look at all the street names. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to go back in the bedroom and I'm going to pray really hard for you to receive inspiration to know where we should go and who needs our help today, who's waiting for us and who you know needs our guidance and help. And so what you're going to do is stand there at the map and look at all the street names and you open your heart and you be willing to go and say, we're going to go anywhere that we need to go to help anybody that needs our help. Just be a pure servant, you know, to go out and find and teach or help out anybody in the community in our area that needs us today. And you open your heart to that. And when you feel inspiration, you look at that map while I'm praying for you in the other room. And then you take a little piece of paper and any street name that comes to your mind that stands out, like that burns in your heart or uh, feels pronounced to you intuitively, I want you to write it down on that piece of paper. Okay. And then when you're done, just keep looking at the map and write down as many street names as you feel inspired to write down in that moment. While we're pouring our spirit out, that's what we're going to do. And then the plan is that when he's done, he's going to fold up that piece of paper and put it in his pocket and hide it from me so I have no idea what he wrote down. And then he comes and knocks on the door, and I wrap up my prayer, and then we trade places, right? And then it's my turn. Okay. Uh, and my, and then we would go out there and then he would go in there and pray for me. And so that's what we did. So I go in the bedroom and I kneel down and I'm praying and I'm praying. And in my prayer, I'm like, please, please, we have nobody to teach. We have nowhere to go. We don't know who to go out and talk to. We don't know who to, uh, is waiting for us or needs our help, but there's got to be somebody out there in this entire community. The whole reason that we're here is to be your servant. So please just give us the inspiration to tell us where to go. Give him the inspiration to know the exact street names and we will go there today and we will listen to our, our hearts and we will try to find those people and help them in the proper way. So I was just like praying like that. And then all of a sudden, here he is knocking on the door. And I'm like, well, that was quick, <laughs> right? I did not expect him to come back that fast. So... I was like, all right. So I wrapped up my prayer and he uh, opened, I opened the door and he's standing there and he's like, okay. And I'm like, don't show me. And he's like, no, it's in my pocket. So I had no idea what he wrote down on his piece of paper. Right. Uh, so then we trade places. So I'm like, okay, so it's your turn. I'm like, you pray for me now. And I'm going to open up my heart and I'm going to write down every single name, street name that comes to mind. So I go, out into the kitchen, some people are asking me, hey, Micah, what uh, time I'm ending the live stream today? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm just telling you my paranormal encounters. It's about a half, amount, uh, half an hour. Oh, yeah. Let's reset the room, guys. If you've watched the Unidentified Celebrity Review, that's another announcement. I'm going to be on the big phone home as well for the Unidentified Celebrity Review with a ton of big names coming up. Uh, you guys go check out that channel. The Unidentified Celebrity Review with a lot of really cool people. The very first day of the show, I'm going to be on there in the evening. Earlier that day, 
Luis Elizondo, Luis Jimenez, Michael Mataluni, a whole bunch of really awesome people from UFO Twitter and the UFO verse uh, <laughs> are going to be on there for the disclosure project, trying to pressure Congress and the U S Senate and everybody to release more information about the UFO situation and what the UIPs are doing. And if we know anything about extraterrestrials, this is the second big uh, phone home experience to try and pledge to get people to do that. So please, if you're going to be a part of that, I'd love you to go and join up for that. So yeah, went ahead and reset the room. If you guys are here in the chat, there's only a few of you here, but I appreciate you so much. This is the first real official live stream on the new Carl Vibe channel. And I want to remind you, if you haven't subscribed already, please go look at the subscribe button and turn on notifications because even if you feel like you already have, double check that because I had to clone the channel and reset it to try and get monetized again and look at the links down in the description below to check out uh, Patreon and all of my other links on Linktree to find me on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and everywhere else and to find out more uh, about Carl Vibe and upcoming guests. Okay, so and also to follow me on Twitter and all that. Appreciate you guys for joining me and hanging out. Uh, back to the story. So it's my turn now to go out into the kitchen. And so the other missionary, he goes in, shuts the door. I go out, and there's a piece of paper. There's the pen. And I'm standing there, and I just kind of take a moment. I close my eyes. And I try to get in this zone. I try to receive an answer. I'm trying to be really open because I really want this to work. It's my idea. The idea is, is that whatever street names that he wrote down, I don't know what they are, right? So I'm going to look at the map. And whatever inspiration that I get or psychic <laughs> phenomenon experience that I perceive for what street name I feel inspired, I'm going to write those down as well. And then the goal is, is that when I'm done, I'm going to go grab him, uh, the other missionary, and we're going to compare our lists and any street names that match, then boom, uh, that's the answer. I got the same answer as him. We wrote it down verifiable on a piece of paper without talking to each other like uh, we had this uh, answer. We both wrote down the same street name. Okay, so that's how we're going to put the Lord to the test. We're going to put God to the test to see if he'll answer our prayers today as his true servants. That's the goal. So I'm looking at the map. I, I close my eyes. I try to receive inspiration for a minute. I feel nice and clear. I try to have faith. I try to reduce my doubts. I think, okay, an answer is going to come to me. I feel it. I'm not doubting. I believe I totally have faith. I open my eyes and I look at the map. The first street name that pops out to me, boom, Cherry Street. Just like the fruit off the tree, the black off a cherry tree, Cherry Street, boom, pops up uh, in Jacksonville. If you want to look it up on Google Earth, it's <laughs> to fact check me. Cherry Street in Jacksonville, Arkansas. It's a real street name. So boom, Jacksonville, Arkansas, Cherry Street. There it is. So I write down, okay. Cherry Street on my piece of paper. And I sit there waiting and waiting and waiting and looking at the map. It's like this intense feeling that I've got that's come over me, this overwhelming sensation of inspiration and intuition, the psychic feeling just suddenly just vanishes. It just like dissipates and I feel hollow. And now I'm just Carl looking at the map again. 
Like I can't see anything going on. I don't perceive anything. There's no answers coming through. So I'm like, this is, it didn't work. <laughs> you know, my first instinct is this didn't actually didn't work. So I only wrote down one street name. It's not going to match up because he's not the odds of him have having written down Cherry Street, same as me, are like, I don't know what the odds of that. If you do statistics or, or an odds man, you could figure that out for me. But I don't know. Look up every single street name in Jacksonville, Arkansas, and then uh, <laughs> tell me how one street name could possibly line up and what the odds of that are. But as you can guess, no other street names came to mind. And so I felt really nervous. I wrote down a couple of other street names just because I was like, it didn't work. It's not going to work. I better write a couple more down. So I wrote down like three more street names just as a guess to try and come up with something and hopefully get a match. And then I was like, well, I guess I'm done. So just like him, it didn't last very long at all. I went back to the bedroom, knocked on the door, interrupted him praying. He wrapped it up. And then he came out. And it was really funny because we were standing there at the kitchen table right at the map. And I was like, okay, we have to pull the street names out. We have to pull our pieces of paper out and throw them down on the table like a deck of cards at the same time, like we're playing Uno. Boom. And see uh, what we got. We'll see what matches. And we were both like nervous, like, I don't know, but we're trying to have faith. We like prayed again together. And then what we did, reached in our pocket and we pulled out our list. And sure enough, he had only written down one street name. He wrote down Cherry Street. And at the top of my list was Cherry Street. And then he didn't have any other names. And I had three that I had just made up and added to that. And so there was nothing there. There was no other <laughs> street names or anything. But Cherry Street on the top of both of our lists was the only thing we felt inspired to write down. Okay. And we were blown away by that. Like, holy smokes. Like, how is this possible that Cherry Street matched for both of us in this experience? So then it gets even stranger. Okay. I don't even know how to explain this because what happened next really blows my mind uh, because I went in and took a shower, went to the bathroom, got dressed because this was all still in the morning. We're like still in our pajamas basically and making breakfast and everything. And this is all important because the timing of these events, I cannot explain to you the odds of it, the timing of it. I, I don't know how to describe to you, uh, but we made breakfast, got dressed. We weren't in any kind of a hurry or anything. It's not like we had some kind of a timeline in mind to the answer to this prayer. We just looked at the map, got our answer, thought, cool, we're going to go to Cherry Street today. So we got ready like normal. We didn't even think through it. Uh, after we got all dressed and ready, we jumped on our bikes. We weren't in a hurry on our bicycle ride. We rode clear across town, probably stopped at traffic and got off and walked our bikes a few times, got to the street corner. And then this is where it gets kind of crazy. We, we get there, we chain our bikes up on the uh, street corner on the stop sign so that nobody steals our bikes, you know, nobody jacks them in the, in the hood of Jacksonville. Uh, so we decide we start to go on foot because typically you chain your bikes up and you go knock on each door. And what you do is you walk all the way up one side of the street and you knock on every single door and then you cross the street and you knock on every single door all the way back. 
And then you get back on your bikes and go home. That's how you do like a loop up and down the street and cover the block and both sides of the street. So for some reason, we chain our bikes up this day. No particular hurry. We weren't there on any kind of schedule or anything. And we're just like strolling along. And we walk past the first house and we didn't say anything. It wasn't like, hey, let's not go up to this house. Let's skip this one today. We didn't even have a cup. We were just like having a normal conversation, talking about whatever, like nothing important. And I don't even know if it really dawned on us at the time, like how crazy this even was. But we're walking along the street and we walk past the second house. We walk past the third house. And then pretty soon we get down there. You can look it up on Google Earth. I can't remember which one it was or which street corner we even started on. But basically we get there and all of a sudden, I see this truck in the driveway with Idaho license plates, which is where I'm from. I grew up and was born in the state of Idaho. And there it is, this uh, red, white, and blue Idaho plates. And I think it was like, I can't even remember the county, but it was like Bonneville County or something like that or Oneida County. But I can't remember what it was. Uh, it might have been Bonneville County, which was around Pocatello area, which was not even far from where I grew up as a kid. So all of a sudden, I'm like, hey, there's a truck in the driveway, like from basically where I grew up. Like, what are the odds of that? So we had this whole experience, the psychic connection or answer to prayers over the map in the kitchen. But then we get there and there's a truck in the driveway with Idaho license plates. And then so I'm like, all right, this has got to be the house. This is the one. And the other missionary is like, what makes you say that? And I was like, it's got Idaho plates, man. Let's go check it out. Maybe it's somebody that I know some crazy way, you know. So we go up to the door, we knock on the door, and this lady opens the door, and clearly on her face, she's been crying. She's just like dressed in like pajamas or just wearing like shorts and a t-shirt, uh, and her eyes are all red and puffy and bloodshot. She's just been crying, like really upset. And she opens the door, and she looks at us, all bewildered, and she like gasps. She's shocked to see us there. And she immediately bursts into tears again. Oh, and she's crying and crying. Oh, my gosh. And she looks and says, how did you know? Oh, how did you know? And she's just crying and crying. <laughs> and I said, uh, hi, ma'am. Uh, we're missionaries from the church. And we were out uh, walking today. And we were praying. And we really felt like God told us to come here today. And I saw the license plate were from uh, was from Idaho. And I knew that this was the house we were supposed to come to. And she goes, oh, she starts crying. She's like, come in, come in. And she waves us to come into the house. Uh, so we go in there uh, and sit down. And it takes her forever. I swear it's like a half hour uh, for her to finally like catch her breath to quit sobbing emotionally. She just, she couldn't even talk. And in between when she starts to try to settle down and catch her breath and quit crying, I actually try to talk to her and I say, so maybe you can explain to us why we're here because, and then I, I told her the whole thing that we did earlier, how we were over the map and how he prayed for, or how I prayed for him and then he prayed for me. And the two that matched up was Cherry Street. And the first house that we came up to here was yours, you know. So can you please tell us why we're here? And finally, like, it took like a half hour for her to calm down. And she finally explains to us, uh, I said, Who's, whose truck is that? 
And this is why she was crying so hard and why this was so crazy. She proceeds to say that, listen, my, she said, I was not a member of your church, but my husband was, he was a Mormon and he grew up in Idaho and we met like in college or something like that and got married. And she never joined the Mormon church or anything like that, but her husband was a member and just never really went to church or anything. But he always believed that it was real and stuff like that. You know, that was the premise. And this lady said that just like two weeks beforehand, before we showed up there on her doorstep, her husband had actually drowned in a tragic boating accident and he died. And this poor woman, in the midst of this, with her husband from Idaho, not far from my hometown, had just drowned in a boating accident, was sitting there in her house that day, packing up all of her boxes and her things in her home, getting ready to move back to North Carolina where her family was, which that's important to the story as well. It's another coincidence. But she had been packing boxes and packing bags, which her whole house was cluttered with boxes and like she was getting ready to leave, either moving in or moving out. And it was because her husband had died and drowned in this boating accident. And she explained to us that that day, while she was packing to get ready to move back to be with her family again in North Carolina, now that she was alone and struggling, that she had decided she was so sad and so alone that she missed her husband so uh, desperately and so sadly that for the first time in her life or in forever since she was a child, she decided to pray and she dropped down to her knees and she said, please, please, God, if there's anybody out there, or anyone that can hear me, if there's anybody listening right now, will you please just tell me where my husband is and tell me that he's okay and send someone or tell me where my husband is. And literally right as she's praying, on her knees saying those words. That's exactly when me and the other missionary knocked on her door. That was the moment when we knocked on her door. I don't know how to explain that to you. I don't know how to describe that. But it happened. Uh, from looking at the map in separate rooms at separate times and both having the psychic connection in order to both see cherry street come to mind in a, like in the picture of our mind, that's the street cherry street to write that down. And then for me to write that down too. And for that to match on both of our pieces of paper, even though we were in separate rooms and we didn't compare any notes and we were both trying to telepathically connect to the source or to God to get the answer. Right. And the answer that we got was to go to Cherry Street. And then we didn't even get in a hurry to go to Cherry Street. We didn't care what time we got to Cherry Street. We took our sweet time. We made breakfast. We got showered. We got dressed. We got ready. We probably talked about girls back home that we liked the whole way <laughs> across town, taking our sweet time, you know, chaining up our bike, walking along. We weren't taking it that serious. 
And then we got to the truck with the Idaho plates, knocked on the door. And at that exact minute, that moment when we knocked, she was on her knees praying, saying, please, please, if you can just tell me where my husband is, please tell me. Please tell me any way you can. Boom, 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 boom. There we are, knocking on the door. That's when we showed up. That's when she stood up, came to the front door, opened the door, and let us in. Now, I don't know how you describe that. I had somebody later in life call it psychic tethering, like somebody pleading for help in the near vicinity in desperate emotional and mental anguish or need for help. Somehow telepathically or psychically, energetically is able to create a tether, like an energetic web, uh, like a magnetic connection that sucks in uh, across the near community to anybody that might be available or open with a soul or a heart or a mind trying to reach out to help anybody in need. Almost like a like a superpower or a superhero. Anybody in need, anybody out there right now in desperate need that's reaching out or lonely or that needs help, are you there? You know, and then all of a sudden you get an answer, follow that intuition. You're actually looking at a map, putting it to the test, you compare notes, boom, it matches. You go there, and sure enough, there's a lady in need, someone in desperate need that needs help. And you are very well equipped, equipped, almost from the same hometown as her deceased husband to deliver the message from the same belief system and religious framework that her husband was used to, which was exactly the answer that this poor woman needed at the time. Words of comfort. Where is my husband according to what he believes? If my husband believed that he was going to be in a certain spiritual place when he died, please tell me where that is. And we sat there right on the couch. And for like four days straight, we went back to this woman's house. Not only did we help her clean and pack her boxes up, but we also taught her all the lessons and we focused completely on the teachings of the afterlife and the spirit world and that life goes on even after the physical body dies. And even though I don't fundamentally have the same belief systems as the LDS Church or the Mormon Church in regards to the physical body and resurrection and the nature of the afterlife and all of those different teachings and doctrines, I will say that it was exactly at that moment the message and the conversation and the and at least the companionship and relationship that she needed, the support system that she needed in her life. We were there right at the exact moment to catch her when she was calling out for help uh, through a prayer, through a spiritual prayer. And here's where it gets even weirder, even one step further before we wrap this up. The last 10 minutes of the show, you've been asking when I'm going to leave it uh, in the live stream here in exactly nine minutes. We're going to wrap it up, you guys. So what gets even stranger was she was moving back to her hometown to be with her family in North Carolina. And it just so happens that she was going to the same mission field, same area where my older brother was currently serving his mission at the same exact time. We served two missions. He went out a year before me. And then at his year mark, I left. And for, for one year in the middle, when he was going home and I was out there for the beginning, we were out at the exact same time for a year together. So when I was out at the beginning of my mission, he was out there at the very end. And coincidentally, phenomenally, through some amazing synchronicity, he was an area uh, uh, area presidency 
of the area and the uh, mission president, not a mission president. He was a missionary, but had a lot of responsibilities in the mission. And I actually got permission to call him on the phone and talk to him and give him information about this lady so that when she moved back to North Carolina, my brother was able to arrange to have missionaries over there to help her move into her house. That's how much things synchronized in the universe to help this lady while she was sitting there uh, struggling after her husband passed away. I mean, wow. How do you explain that? So let's talk about that for just a minute. Fast forward to now, I consider myself more of like a mystic adventurer, like a, a, a experimenter and explorer of human consciousness and the nature of reality, these different aspects of reality and uh, the phenomenon, whether it be through UFO encounters with extraterrestrials, through paranormal entities, ghosts, strange phenomenon, paranormal things, haunted space, uh, anything like that, or whether it be dreams, uh, sleep paralysis encounters, or things like this, psychic tethering, psychic connections. One of the things that I think is connected is has to do with recent podcasts and shows that I've done uh, with Paul, Dr. Paul Smith and Daz Smith, who are two separate interviews and shows that I've done uh, that I've recently re-uploaded on this channel. You can go check them out if you haven't already, where we talked about remote viewing and the true nature of non-local consciousness, which means that your human consciousness is not just confined to the skull or to the human anatomy of the body, but it's actually like a magnetic field or an electromagnetic field that emanates from the flowing magnetic interchange and pulsing interchange of moving water and DNA and all of that going on in the brain and in the body. So the consciousness that constitutes the human soul actually is a field of energy that exists outside of just the body. And the body is sort of like an antenna that sits within that or as a part of that or as an illusion within that field to make you feel better. Some people even believe in non-duality or Advaita, uh, that the entire field is exactly like a dream, non-dual, meaning not separate, meaning your body and everything in the room and the empty space in between all the way out through the entire universe is, is all just one phenomenal unity, oneness, all one energetic field. Just like if you were in a dream and you looked at different people and things in the dream, you have to ask yourself, what is it all made of? What are the people and characters and the objects in this dream actually made of if they're not just my own subconscious existing outside myself as an interactive space for me to move around and interact with things in? Um, almost like a holographic universe, like a virtual reality that you can navigate through that's really just uh, energy coalescing in an electromagnetic uh, field or universe, which is actually a two-dimensional field plane stretched out holographically and perceived uh, where uh, totally possible as a holographic universe, but that's for a totally other conversation. So I think that consciousness is non-local to the body, which means that your thoughts, feelings, emotions, subconscious daydreams, visions, visualizations, 
mind wanderings, even when you dream at night, all exist in this field of awareness that we call reality. We perceive some of it as the subconscious, as being internal and inside of ourselves, as some sort of an invisible reality. Our thoughts and emotions, it's just some sort of fake thing uh, that we don't really consider as real. But really what it is, is the non-physical universe. It is the non-physical subconscious realms, the dreamscapes, the astral planes, the other dimensions of the known universe that are non physical to our reality. It's not something you can study with physics. It takes a non-physical approach, a mystical approach, a spiritual approach, or a, like a wizard type of shamanistic approach. So thank you guys for joining the chat that I have to go. We're going to wrap this up here in just a second. But I think that non-local consciousness, remote viewing and psychic experiences with telepathy and understanding non-duality and the, rate, uh, the true nature of reality as a holographic field uh, that we are not separate from and all unified in as fractal characters of the one, all sharing the same experience. So I think when we're sitting there as missionaries looking over the map, we're really connecting through parts of ourself, through each other, almost like uh, telepathically, and uh, psychically, and it makes you wonder when you think about it, if things like that could happen with that many levels of synchronicity, that many levels of phenomenal coincidence that occurred back to back to back that we could not explain, uh, all the way to my brother being in North Carolina, able to help her arrange to have help moving in. I don't know how to explain that. It's like we called it a miracle, just a flat out miracle. But what it really actually is is a telepathic psychic phenomenon that's provable uh, that people like Daz Smith and Paul Smith are doing with cognitive remote viewing, where they sit down and they fact check with several people in a row, just like looking at a map sometimes, locating missing people, locating missing objects, locating kidnapped people or people in distress, just like the woman who had lost her husband and was seeking help and crying out for help. Uh, people like Joe McMonagall has done remote viewing and been able to psychically connect with people who have been kidnapped uh, and been able to locate what town, location, community, village, and almost apartment complex, and what floor on the third floor and what the room was like where this person was being held hostage to the point that they had enough detail that they were able to send a unit in to rescue and recover this man and his wife that had been kidnapped as a counterterrorism uh, thing during an act of war. That was all something that Joe uh, McMonagall did as part of this the uh, Stargate program that the CIA was doing in conjunction with the Stanford Research Institute back in the 60s and 70s. Really fascinating stuff. But if they're able to do that stuff in the CIA, and I was able to do that as a Mormon missionary, there is a thread that ties these things together. The psychic phenomenon, the act of praying and getting answers to prayers, the idea of th telepathy, this idea that human souls and human beings can sense another human being with some non-physical, uh, alternate dimensional, uh, altered state of consciousness sort of connection way. And with that connection, if you open yourself and train yourself to it, suddenly you become 
an energy healer, a spirit worker, worker, uh, connecting with other people in need, doing spirit work and energy healing like a shaman and a mystic. And that's uh, what we're exploring. So this was part two of my crazy, interesting paranormal and psychic encounters and psychic experiences, paranormal encounters throughout my life, whether they be with ghosts, whether they be with uh, Bigfoot. Now, in the next episode, uh, what we're going to do is talk about some, uh, I will go into the actual Bigfoot encounter that I had up in the Sierra Nevada mountains. It was a two night camping trip with a, what would be considered a paranormal Sasquatch encounter and the UFO sighting or orb of light sighting that occurred in the same time. So we'll get on to all of that in the next episode, episode three, but in between that, I'm going to be going to Phenomicon, you guys. Don't forget to check that out. If you're up in the Vernal, Utah or Salt Lake area, Orem, Utah, northern Utah, southern Idaho, please check out tickets. They're on sale to come to Phenomicon and hang out with a bunch of really cool people, even get tours of Skinwalker Ranch, Blind Frog Ranch, and check out the Unidentified Celebrity View coming up in the next couple of days uh, for the big phone home and all of that going on. And future guests here, we're going to have more remote viewers, uh, physicists, people who are uh, philosophers and theorists, and other people who are abductees. And I might even be uploading hypnosis episodes where I get regressed to see if I'm an an abductee and to try and make sense of some of these sleep paralysis and paranormal encounters that I'm sharing with you guys in these videos. It's going to be really cool. So make sure and stay tuned. Got a lot of awesome stuff coming up and thank you guys so much for hanging out in the live show today and uh, staying, uh, keeping me company here and we'll see you guys in the next stream. Bye.